One of my favorite moments in the day, if it just happens to work out this way, is when I happen to be driving by Florence Elementary during recess or after school. The kids are playing outside or they're waiting on their ride home. I look, steal a glance over to the right or to the left, depending upon what direction I'm going, and I see kids playing. I see them laughing. I see them um, hanging out in twos and threes, maybe in groups of four. They're just talking, maybe playing a game, sometimes playing tag, or they're just sitting and, 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 and doing what kids do during recess and after school. And Florence is a diverse school, so you see kids of different nationalities playing together, different genders playing together with one another, probably different traditions and religions playing and interacting. And in that moment, it becomes this sign to me of what can be. It becomes this sign to me of, of how it can be. And I know that kids often don't get along in the playground. It's not always uh, uh, a wonderful world there on the playground. But in some ways, I look at it, and I say, they have not yet learned that they're supposed to fight with each other. They have not yet learned that they're supposed to hate each other. And isn't that great? And so it becomes this hopeful sign for me. Watching children can be disarming. It reorients us to what really matters. You don't believe me? Talk to the people who came up here and put antlers on their head. Yeah, it changes who you are. We wish we could recover a sense of wonder, a sense of curiosity, a sense of joy, a sense of innocence, this desire to play. And I love how Nadine put it. She says, anybody who's willing to be vulnerable, that's what kids do. They teach you how to be vulnerable. What did I see this past week and probably is... Uh, I'm, I'm pushing the limits of appropriateness here, but I saw this one thing this past week that says, uh, what are two things in life that don't lie to you, children, and yoga pants? So, <laughs> so children have that way. They invite you into that. Children can be signs, signs that point us to what we need to see and hear. And maybe that's why Jesus said, unless we become like little children... We're unable to see or perceive or understand the kingdom of God. We just can't see it unless we become like them. There's that moment a few years ago when, or years ago when we were at the doctor's office and Linda, I believe, was pregnant with Chad. And, and so Aaron and I and, and uh, all four of us were there, four, Chad was there too, and Aaron was playing on the floor. A little African-American boy comes up to her about her age, and up to that point, Aaron had not spent a whole lot of time, if any, around other children that didn't look like her, particularly kids of color. And so as soon as he sat down in front of her, she just took this long look at him. And I took this really deep breath because I had no idea what Aaron was going to say. I still don't, but I had no idea what she was going to say. And then the next words came out of her mouth, and she looked at the little boy, and she said, do you want to play? Do you want to play? And I'll never forget that moment as this reorienting moment. I would always look back at that and say, why can't we get world leaders together on the floor with toys and just have them say to each other, do you want to play? Do you want to play? Now, I know I'm being a little bit fanciful in that thinking, but the point is kids bring that moment to you, and there are those signs. Let me shift just a few moments to Isaiah and Matthew, and we'll come back to the whole sign thing. 
It's a strange connection of verses, Isaiah and Matthew. But you heard one thing in them, didn't you, that was common. This theme that a young woman would have a child, and that this child would be named Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew and Isaiah have more going on in their rendition than we realize. Isaiah writes about this king named King Ahaz, who's living under threat from the king of Israel. At that time, the kingdom was divided between Judah and Ephraim or Israel. And so he's facing this threat from the king of Israel and the king of Aram, and his future is uncertain, and the time is uncertain, and King Ahaz doesn't know if there's going to be a future, if they're going to make it, if they're going to be able to find their way through this chaos and uncertainty and darkness, and he has no idea of whether there's going to be a next day. And so Isaiah says, well, ask God for a sign, and Ahaz says, I can't do that, and then Isaiah says, well, I'm going to give you a sign. Here's what God has to say. And he tells a simple little rendition of a young mother will give birth to a child, and that child's going to have a name. Now, we want to make very deep theological connections with this, and that's okay, but let's not overthink it. Because basically what Isaiah is saying is mothers don't bring children into a world in which they think there's no hope. Mothers don't bring children into a world in which they feel like there is no use. And how many times do you hear parents say that? Who would want to bring a child into this world? So what is Isaiah saying to King Ahaz? He's saying what? Look, there is hope. Look, there is a future before you. Look, it seems uncertain. It seems like the times are dark. It seems like there is chaos. It seems like you are going to enter a really difficult season of your life. But here is the sign. A woman's going to have a baby. It's going to take nine months, and then she's going to give birth to that baby, and it's going to grow, and that baby's name is what? God with us. Isaiah is telling King Ahaz, God is with you. This is how God works. And so Matthew, same setting, young couple, living during a time that is very dark, a time that is very chaotic, a time that has violence, a time we look at all the pastoral scenes of Christmas, we look at all the pastoral scenes of the stable, but what we don't realize, it was a very brutal time. The Roman Empire kept peace, but they kept peace in one way, through power and domination and violence. And Matthew, uh, Mary and Joseph are even being forced to go to this accounting of who they are, to this census where they can be numbered. And so the ruling empire can keep track of them. And so there's fear and there's uncertainty. And so Matthew tells a story about a young couple who what? Has a baby. And he picks up the same story that Isaiah tells so that everyone who reads it can make that connection and know that young women don't bring children into a world in which there is no hope and there is no future. And Matthew, through his story, is saying to the whole world, this is your sign that there is hope and future. This young couple brought this baby into this world. This young woman brought this baby into this world. A world of uncertainty, a world of darkness, a world of fear, And this baby was born, and she named this baby Emmanuel, God with us. It's the sign of the child. 
the sign that life continues, the sign that there's a future, the sign that God comes often in a very gentle, unexpected way. It's a very simple message with a very simple name, two stories, same scenarios, same message. This is the sign. God is with us, and God is with us and continues to be with us in this person of Jesus, this person Jesus who is present and among us, as we as friends like to say, Quakers, speaking to our condition. God is with us now and in the future and in every day in which we live and every circumstance in which we go through, from Isaiah to Matthew to our life. Look for the sign. Don't ignore the signs. There's a price to pay sometimes to ignore the signs. Ask me, and I don't know if Tommy Harden wants to confess, but I missed a sign one time in Jackson County, Ohio, and I paid a few hundred dollars for it. It's called a speed sign. (laughs) Missing signs can often get us in trouble, so don't ignore the signs. Let's make that connection with this story with Matthew and Isaiah and children and signs. Don't ignore the signs that there is a future. And that God is birthing this new future both in our lives and in our world. What God needs are those who are willing both to receive and bring birth to it in this world, like Mary. At times we may feel our life has reached a dead end. All that is hopeful and good and fruitful has happened. But the story reminds us that there is this future. God is with us and God invites us to live into that faith and hope. And God intends to bring it to fruition. And we can be part of that just like Mary and Joseph. We can receive the life that God has to offer. And out of the life that God offers us, we can bring that life to bear into this world. And we can give birth to new life and to new hope and to new futures for people. I'm going to brag just a bit, not on me, but on a couple people here. Because I had the, um, had the joy of being there yesterday and watching uh, Heidi uh, Miner get interviewed by WXII. And she and Don had conceived this idea of a little free food pantry with the word peace on it. And they, um, they're rock stars now because they've been interviewed twice. Um, she called for makeup twice during the interview, and I said, Heidi, <laughs> let's just kind of dial this down a bit. No, it was a wonderful interview. And what I caught, and I don't know if Heidi caught this, but what I caught was the young man, he kept asking questions because I think it just boggled his mind. So you're telling me this food is free. You're telling me that anybody can come and get it. And people can leave food, but you don't have a lock on it except for one day when they have the hand-to-hand pantry. But you're telling me, and Heidi's, yeah, it's just all free. It's here because people need it. But all of this came just because a couple folks conceived this idea brought to them by God and brought to birth this wonderful little ministry for people who walk by it, and maybe just maybe that day find a few cans of food that's going to help them get through to the next day. Now, here's the thing. That can happen to anybody, not just to people like Heidi and Don, but it can happen to you and to I if we're willing to receive. Don't ignore the signs also that God comes into this world often through the most unlikely of folks And in the most unlikely of ways, God gave the king Ahaz the image of a mother. Matthew tells us it's a peasant mother as well, both images of tenderness 
as well as very ordinary people in our society. We look for God in the powerful. We look for God in the dominant. But God comes to us and to this world in tenderness, love, and often through those that are very ordinary, often through those that are on the margins and often excluded from the seats of power. That's where God often shows up. I'm convinced more so than ever that God isn't about the business of gaining power and domination. God is in the business of letting go of power and serving. If you want to check that out, read Philippians 2, where Paul has this great hymn of Jesus, and it says Jesus emptied himself of everything so that he could take in the whole world and bring to the whole world his love and his tenderness and his grace. It's the people of the world who empty themselves of power are the ones in which God shows up and is most often likely to make himself known. Those are the signs for me of God present and among us. Those are the signs that God is with us. When I see God in those folks, when I see God in those people, when I see God willing to give up their own sense of self, willing to empty themselves of their own ego, of their own power, of their own self-absorption, and to be present in this world in such a way that invites people in and receives them. And then don't ignore the signs that God is being born into this world every day in ways that remind us that God is with us. And what I mean by that is simple little signs around us that God is present and that God cares for us. Maybe an answered prayer. I just heard one this morning. David and Ruth, not their first year anniversary. Well, that's an answer to prayer, I guess. It could be. But a promotion and a raise. God is with you. The gift of an encouraging friendship, that's a sign of God's presence with us. Those who come alongside you and I and just lift us up. The awareness of deep peace in your life. There are those moments when somehow, some way, in a way that is just full of grace, you take a deep breath and you don't know why, but in that moment you say to yourself, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And you don't know where it came from, but it's a gift and you'll take it. There's that moment of transformation in someone's life. They, they overcome an addiction. They find renewed meaning and purpose in their life. For me, it's those moments when somebody calls me on the phone, and I've had these kind of calls recently, but somebody calls me on the phone and says, can we get together because I'm struggling with this particular issue or I'm struggling with this in my life, and I really need to work through it. First of all, the great part is I don't have to tell them. They've already discovered it for themselves. It's a lot easier for them to work through it if they realize it themselves than someone telling them you need to really work through this. But for me, that is a sign of God's presence, that God is with us because God is working in that person's heart. And I look back and I take a step back and I give thanks and I really get excited and I can't wait because I realize there's something going on here and I want to follow this through with this person because God is at work. The joy of a child, there is a sign that God is with us. You could not be be here this morning. And I know that this is probably the first time that this church has quaked like this in a long time and danced and did the hokey pokey, but it's okay. We won't get kicked out of the early meeting. It's kind of moot anyway. 
but you could not look at that this morning and not know that God was present and with us. Joy and laughter and smiling. And some of you taking pictures saying, I wish I had said yes and gone up front and allowed my hair down a bit or whatever's left of it down a bit. And then this. For me, this is one of the greatest signs that God is with us. The forgiveness and reconciliation practiced in broken relationships. To me, that is one of the greatest signs that God is with us and among us. When people reconcile, when forgiveness is offered and extended and received, when relationships are made whole, when people begin to work on that stuff which has come between them. To me, more than anything else, that's a sign God is with us. Don't miss these signs. Isaiah told the king, Matthew tells the world, don't miss the sign. This is a world that has future. This is a world that has hope because God is willing to bring into this world new life. Mothers don't bring children into a world in which they feel there is no future. Two women did. And that is a sign that God is with us and will always be with us. Brian McLaren, in your bulletin, will offer this quote. You see it right there. If you want to follow along while I read it, then we'll take a few moments and close. Under thoughts for reflection. What do we mean when we say Jesus is the light? Just as a glow on the eastern horizon tells us that a long night is almost over. Jesus' birth signals the beginning of the end for the dark night of fear, hostility, violence, and greed that has descended on our world. Jesus' birth signals, or if you will, is a sign that it is the start of a new day, a new way, a new understanding of what it means to be alive. This new light of aliveness and love opens us up to rethink everything, to go back and become like little children again. And then we can rediscover the world with a fresh, childlike wonder, seeing the world in a new light, in the light of Christ.